What's up, Dunwoody? Special guest today. We've been trying to get this guy on since the very beginning, and we finally made it happen. If you're new to the podcast, this is the show where two regular dudes go around Dunwoody and talk about Dunwoody. We've had on restaurant owners, politicians, comedians, mayors, principals, city staff, and even our random degenerate friends. The show is brought to you by me, Matt Weber. I'm a realtor with the Dogwood team, Keller Williams Peachtree Road, the best real estate office in all of Atlanta. We know this community, and we'd love to help you with your next move. This podcast is a great way for you to get to know your next real estate agent. Listen to the podcast, check out our reviews, maybe do a little Facebook stalking, make sure I'm not a creep, then give me a call, 404-502-8683. If you live in Dunwoody and frequent the pools and tennis courts around town, Georgetown, Dunwoody North, you've probably heard of PoolDues.com. PoolDues.com is a turnkey solution for your entire web presence, including billing, club events, tennis reservations, pool news, board minutes, member directories, and fundraising options. It's time to modernize, if not monetize, your neighborhood pool with PoolDues.com. All right, so today's show is with Dunwoody Police Chief Billy Grogan. Grogan is an awesome old school chief with modern digital skills, and he pushes his department to interact with the community through social media, and he's developed quite a following. He's written books on social media and teaches officers around the country how to position themselves to succeed in law enforcement. He was Dunwoody's very first police chief. He is our current police chief, and we hope he stays here forever. Straight from City Hall, here's our conversation with Dunwoody Police Chief Billy Grogan. What's up, Dunwoody? Welcome back to the What's Up, Dunwoody podcast. Well, today we're here with the Chief of Police, Billy Grogan. Did I say it right? I, you, you did. Hello. Yeah. I, I have a history of, of butchering <laughs> butchering people's names. Yeah, so. You got it right. That was a pretty easy one, Billy. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's not give him a, uh, an easy one. How about a curveball? Any undercover stings going on right now in Dunwoody? Uh, I have no comment. No. <laughs> not not right now. I guess We're, if they're undercover, you really can't comment. That's true. You put somebody in jeopardy, even if we say, well, we won't release it till after. The, that's right. <laughs> until after they're caught. Uh, so everybody that we sat down with has got positive things to say about you. You've done a good job here. Well, I appreciate that. Um, we really enjoyed the, the Ken Wright story of the when incorporation. That was, yeah, that was, it was a cool a, story. That was a special time. Um, you know, all of us who were here at the very beginning certainly remember that very fondly. It's a lot of you, there's, right? Yeah. There's nothing like, uh, you know, having 40 police cars lined up and uh, you turn on the blue lights and sirens and you just kind of hit Ashford Dunwoody Road and everybody goes in a different direction. And you have people on the side of the road, you know, 100 people out there cheering. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's quite amazing and, uh, you know, something that I'm glad I was uh, able to experience. He said people were scared. Yeah. <laughs> you know what was going on. <laughs> there were, and we received a few complaints from people who uh, we woke up, Yeah. you know, in some of the apartments. Yeah, but, there's a John Hennigan YouTube video that I watched. Yeah, that was cool. yeah it's, it's pretty nice. So it, it, was, it was a lot of fun and, uh, you know, great community. Yeah. All right, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm, I'm a local guy. Uh, I was born in Atlanta uh, at the old St. Joseph's Hospital, which is no longer there, and I lived in downtown for some time and uh, moved up to Marietta as um, uh, probably in elementary school. And uh, I actually uh, live in Cobb County now, but I live probably within 20 miles of where I've lived all my life. And uh, grew up in Cobb and went to North Cobb High School and uh, started work at the Marietta Police Department in 1981. Uh, before that, I was going to be a pharmacist. And so I went it's a to. Uh, it is. I worked at a Reed's drugstore and uh, I was going to be a pharmacist, so I went to Kennesaw College. 
So this is a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> before you guys were probably around. And um, so I was going to be a pharmacist, but realized you have to take a lot of science. Yeah. And I'm not really a science guy. I found that out pretty quickly. And so uh, I decided to change careers, and I dropped out of school and, and uh, joined the Marietta Police Department, where I spent my career before I came here to Dunwoody. And in between there, I got... Um, uh, got my undergraduate degree in political science from Kennesaw State and got a master's degree uh, in public administration as well from Kennesaw. And then had the you know, great fortunate opportunity to get hired as the chief here in Dunwoody in uh, 2008. And um, that was uh, kind of a dream come true, uh, being able to start your own department from scratch. Of course, there's a downside to that. I couldn't blame the previous chief yeah. if there's any problems. <laughs> and uh, so, but seriously, it's been uh, great. Uh, a lot of uh, great people to work with here in the city and our officers. Uh, I can't say enough about the great job they do. And then we have a very supportive uh, community. Uh, they put signs up when we first started, uh, you know, uh, welcome Dunwoody police, bad guys beware, Yeah. And which was awesome. And, you know, it was amazing. Uh, some of our officers come from places where the only uh, no wave they got from anybody was a one-finger wave. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so it was a, a, a nice change of pace, And but it's uh, uh, been a very supportive community. Yeah, that's, a, I mean... Only heard positive things about you, really. Well, great. And you got to go through a big catalog of stuff to buy, right? Ten years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's kind of kind of cool when you you know you have. Now we have a lot of purchasing rules and things you have to go through. But when you're starting a department, you have 90 days to get it up and running. Uh, all the rules are they hadn't even adopted any purchasing rules, so it's all done like an emergency purchase. So we say we want that. Okay, let's get that. We want that. Let's get that. And so it was fortunate we were able to do that because you need to do that to be able to kind of get everything on time. But um, Ken was talking about what was it Obama bullets? What was, was that? Right when Obama well, got there, like yeah, there, there was a lot of um, there was a shortage, but a lot of, in a lot of ways due to the Gulf War and things like that. Okay. Uh, that so bullets were short and short supply. So we were like, are we going to get our ammunition in time to go to the range to take all of our staff to, to qualify? course we had backup we had other departments that would give us some ammunition you know yeah. and everything then we had um, the interesting thing one of the some stuff is pretty simple to get but uh, other stuff like cars as an example uh, you know if you order them and and they build them and that sort of thing it takes a long time to get there we had a limited time so we were fortunate our cars were gonna be black and white so we found uh, 20 black cars that we painted partially white and then we found 20 white cars that we painted partially black. And so we had our 40 cars. And so that worked out really good. Uh, luckily, otherwise we might have been uh, walking. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. <laughs> Bad guys can get away easy yeah. Did you order any, like, old Crown Vicks for the detectives? No, we actually, Crown Vicks was what we had. So oh, okay. That was what we started with, our initial car. And, uh, and then, of course, Ford doesn't make them anymore, so we've transitioned to other vehicles. But... Uh, uh, we actually have saved one of our original Crown Vicks that, uh, you know, hopefully one day I'll be in a Dunwoody Police Museum in, a, <laughs> yeah. in the future, long after I'm gone. And um, aren't you guys getting some more land over by, off of, uh, was it North Shaliford? Yeah, well, the city bought a piece of property off North Shaliford um, uh, maybe five years ago uh, because they were considering doing a road extension over there and getting a 
uh, east and west road uh, to to parallel, say, Cotillion. Mm-hmm. And uh, and through the transportation plans or whatever that kind of changed, they ended up uh, uh, leasing some of that space out, uh, t- uh, the building, and then that person defaulted on the, um, the rent, uh, the space. And so they were kicked out, and it just coincided with about the time we were uh, looking at uh, uh, buying City Hall here and redoing it. And so there was some space that we needed that just wouldn't fit into the plans here. And so uh, uh, we had that building over there. So the city decided to refurbish the building and use the first floor more as a public meeting space. So if a group wants to, needs a place to meet, they'll have space there that they can, I think, rent out. And then on the second floor, we're gonna use it for some training. So we'll have a a training room, a defensive tactics room, and then we're gonna purchase a firearm simulator. And so we can do kind of um, scenario-based training for officers and well as citizens that go through our Citizen Police Academy and things like that. Yeah, you gotta tell us about that. So it'll be a good good space. Yeah, it'll be nice. I think Justin wants to be a citizen police. Did you notice I have a Shambly police hat on? Hey, wait a minute. You came here? I didn't even notice (laughs) that. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to leave it somewhere around here, and then it'll just be a joke that you guys... It'll it'll get burned (laughs) or thrown away, I can tell you. So I I found this at a Chick-fil-A in Shambly, and I saw the officer leaving, and I I had like five kids with me, and I just just couldn't pack them all up. And I was like, you know what? I'll drop it off at, at the station later. Well, then it ended up in my yard somehow. <laughs> like a year later, it's all faded. I can't take this thing back. But you know, so here's a good question: At what point do I get in trouble for impersonating a police officer? Uh, well, you're not gonna get impersonating for just wearing a, a hat. And, all right, good. And, uh, you know, sometimes like our citizens have shirts that say uh, "Citizen Police Academy," say "Dunwoody Police," but it says "Citizen Police Academy." But in now, parentheses it, underneath. yeah. But if you start representing yourself, if somebody says, "Are you a Shamley police officer?" Right. Yes. I am. That's where I'm Then you're going to cross the line and maybe get in trouble. You might get a little bit more respect. Right now, this is just kind of like a mascot hat. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah, or if you try to arrest somebody, then that might get get you too. (laughs) I'm not very well equipped to arrest anybody. I'm in workout shorts. (laughs) Exactly. Do you sell Dunwoody police hats, though? We do not. Oh, no, we have cool. we have them for our staff and uh, and things like that, but we don't we don't sell them. You know, like New York P- New NYPD. That's what I was you thinking. Know, yeah, they, but they've got thirty five thousand uh, police officers and a lot of people who like to wear the NYPD hat. So yeah, yeah they do uh, it as a fundraiser. I feel like it would be a pretty popular product yeah, if you start selling. I have, out to, might have to think about that. Out in the lobby, yeah. you know, just yeah. a vending machine. You just sure. <laughs> So speaking of staff, what what is your staff here? So we're authorized. Have an authorized strength of sixty two sworn and thirteen civilians that provide uh, support. Uh, so like our police service representatives at the front desk, crime scene tech, our civilian prisoner transport officers, um, uh, an executive assistant uh, for administration for my office. Um, you know different functions like that, and then. Uh, we have 62 officers that's divided up between the officers who work the road, uh, who work administration, and then investigations. And that includes supervisory staff as well. And they're all here? Well, now. we're we're at, we're at 62 sworn. We're, I think, four positions short right now. So we're in the process of, um, you know, hiring some new folks. I saw so, a lot of so them. So if anybody's on. looking for a, a job as a police officer, feel free to come up and apply. You can apply online at dunwoodypolice.com. Well, what's the max age? Because, you know, there's a Fox show coming out about 
that called a rookie with Nathan Fillion as a like a forty year old rookie. But yeah, the, there's there's not a, a maximum age. Matt, uh, you should go for it. <laughs> I think it's uh, you know if you can do the job and you know you can pass the background and the physical and the psychological and nope, all the you can't do it. all the other things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know I know quite a few people. We haven't had anybody here. But I've, you know, got some of my friends at other departments who have hired people in their 40s and even 50s who had a change of career, hmm. and they're doing a fine job. And give back to the community, right? Yep, that's cool. exactly. It seems like they would fail that test of like climbing over a wall or like jogging through tires. <laughs> but if they could do that, you know. Yeah, most departments don't do that test. Uh, you know, there's other kind of uh, PT tests that they do, but yeah. Mostly. Yeah testing for drugs and everything yeah. else. I feel like yeah. I saw a lot of you guys on the Dunwoody Lip Sync. That was, that was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The lip Sync battle. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and they had uh, approached me about, some of the officers did, about uh, doing that, you know. And I wanted to make sure that we did something that would be fun, and but uh, – that would get the community involved as it well and did. so they had a great idea they put something out on facebook and then we filmed it at different locations in in dunwoody mm-hmm. rather than just in our offices or something like that and i think it worked out pretty good yeah it was really cool yep. it was really cool i really liked the uh, the white guy the real animated white guy that was in like oh, yeah. every every scene yeah that <laughs> was funny. uh casey martin and uh he's a uh, he's a good guy his uh, mom's actually the police chief in gainesville oh uh, yeah and uh yep carol martin he didn't want to work for his mom he wanted to well they probably have uh, some rule against way. it but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm i'm sure you know speaking of the video i walked into uh the what's it called mad italian restaurant yeah on savoy and right it's about i don't know maybe a week after that video was released i walked in and this lady from across the room you're that guy in the video, <laughs> and uh, it was pretty funny, uh, you know. Because then You're several other, now. and several other people were like, oh, "Yeah, I saw you." So all this hard work that you put yeah, in, yeah, all the you know, long law enforcement career, and this is what I'm remembered for. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had to take anybody's badge and gun? Unfortunately, yes. Have you really? You know, oh. yeah, that uh, that did, happens. Did you make it all dramatic, like? Bring him in the office. No, say, it's not. It's not like it is on TV. Darn it! You know, you must have watched a lot of TV. Yeah, he does watch a lot of TV, uh, so yeah. it doesn't really happen like that. Usually, when somebody if they mess up and do something severe, uh, they get served with a notice for a pre-adverse action hearing. And what that is is we put them on notice that you've done something. Here's the rules that you violated, and here's the recommendation for discipline. Say if it's for suspension or or uh, to be terminated. And then, um, you know, then we have a hearing at which point that person can kind of give their side of the story, so to speak, because there's already been an investigation. We're looking at the results. And then, um, you know, I make a decision then if I want to agree with what they recommended the supervisor or uh, something lesser. And unfortunately, you know, on a few occasions I've had to terminate people. It's not something that you want to do, but it's something that sometimes you have to do uh, to make sure that the department is uh, being operated as it should be and you've got the right people working there. I'm seeing people sworn in all the time on social media. Is that uh, is, is the force growing that fast or are there that many it, people dropping off? And so it's a, it's a combination of both. Uh, you know, the, the challenge for law enforcement, for Dunwoody as well as most every uh, police department, fire department, any, any of the public service jobs, when the economy is doing great, 
it makes it a challenge for us because people can go into other professions and make more money. And be real uh, estate agents, right? Right, or, or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, we've, uh, you know, had a, our turnover has increased over the last few years compared to previous years. You know, we had a, uh, a few years where we had zero turnover, 2% turnover, 4%, you know, really low. And over the last few years, it's kind of increased. And what we're seeing, though, is not that officers are leaving our department to go to another department. They're leaving our department to go into the private sector. So we have one guy who's a police officer for 20 years, uh, you know, wasn't at the end of his career and, uh, you know, expected him to be here, you know, until he decided to retire sometime in the future. And he decided to open a franchise of a company and uh, left and and opened this uh, uh, company. And his store is... um, it's uh, in Sewanee at uh, Town Center in Sewanee. It's a nice area. And then uh, he's got another store now. I think it's in Decatur. Yeah. And wow. so it's a Looks franchise. like he made the right decision. Yeah. I guess. So <laughs> doing well, but you know <laughs> you we taught had, him well, right? Yeah. Did so you we, tell him that when he leaves, he's little people. He's no yeah. longer cop. <laughs> <laughs> no, we told him he was always welcome back. Oh, you know, he left under nice. good good terms, but. Um, but anyway, so the economy is a challenge, you know, yeah. for us, and and so we've had a, a little bit of that, and then we've had some new positions over the last few years, so we're trying to fill those. I think this year, earlier this year, we got uh, three new positions, so that plus the ones that come open because people leave, and so we're just trying to keep them filled. Okay, it probably works the opposite way too, where in bad times, that's when there's more yes. crime too, so that's yes. when you really need more help. So. Yeah, and usually when the when uh, uh, the economy gets bad, you have a lot more people interested in being police officers. And, you know, from a kind of a national perspective, you know, with the events that happened in uh, Ferguson and a lot of the negativity toward law enforcement as a career, uh, you know, you got a lot of people who are thinking, you know, do I want to be a police officer? Mm-hmm. You know, is this what I want to do for a living? And, you know, some people make a decision and say, no, it's not. It's sad. Yeah. yeah. Sad the way that works. I feel like if I was to be a police officer, I'd instantly be on the take. Yeah. You know, I would be terrible at it. I would, <laughs> I'd be like bag of money that I would go for it. You know. Well, that's that's a what bag of money? That's a that's a, a that's a quick drop to like the bottom of the scale. I'd be a terrible police officer because I'd be on the take. Not that you would handle the calls badly or anything like that. You'd go all the way to the bottom. He's yeah. already playing that. And yeah. then and then straight to jail. Yeah. I'm reason for guys like surfing guys. <laughs> Well, what? Uh, so last time, last time I saw you, I guess I met you was at uh, Dunwoody North. You came to our clubhouse mm-hmm. and you gave a little a little spiel about the Dunwoody Police. Sure. And you, you were a great speaker. That was really cool. Um, some of that stuff that you went over is the the amount of police on the road mm-hmm. and how most of them are in. Was it uh, District One over by Perimeter? Yeah, it's twenty. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So was there? There's there like six six cars on the so road. So it just depends. It depends on uh, the the day and the shift. Who's in training? Who's out sick? And that sort of thing. You know, there's probably somewhere between five and eight at any given moment, uh, okay. depending on who's working. And we distribute those. You know, most of our part one crime, which is our most serious crime, like murder, rape, robbery, aggravated assault, burglary, larceny and motor vehicle theft and all those out of all those crimes about 80 percent or so happens in the greater perimeter area here for the most part Dunwoody's neighborhoods are pretty safe so you go into you know all the neighborhoods and there's crime that happens there occasionally certainly 
but not to the extent that it happens in a perimeter for a lot of reasons. This is where a lot of people come and go. Uh, there's tons of parking lots which attract people, uh, the bad guys, and then we have a lot of apartments in the perimeter area, which are also places that uh, have traditionally high crime. And so we try to put some of our resources here to try to, you know, catch those guys. Yeah. I think people come from out of the area to the area. To they do. Uh, yeah, about, That's the best 70, place to do about 75 to 80 percent of the people we arrest oh, uh, wow. are from somewhere else. Interesting. Interesting. So. I called the police on uh, some guys that were they were rummaging through like backyards, going to houses and stuff like that. And so they had a lookout guy, and these these guys that were going through the houses put their licenses on the the passenger seat in the, the, the lookout guy's car, right? Because they didn't want to get caught with them. They didn't want to get caught with them. So, so anyway, I called the police on them. you guys. You guys get them. You get the lookout guy. And then somebody goes, you know, what? let's just go to Mar- the the closest uh, Marta bus stop, and we'll find these two guys. And sure enough, <laughs> take the licenses with them. Yeah. There they were, that, sit, that was... sitting there with televisions. And yeah. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had a big jar of pennies, is what it was. Their getaway, when's their getaway car leaves? Yeah. You know. <laughs> I think that was shortly after you guys uh, became uh, okay. the, you know. It happens, and I mean, the, the great thing, you know, what you did is the thing that helps us the most because no matter how many police officers we have, we can't put one in every neighborhood. And so uh, crimes of opportunity, people just drive through and, hey, there's, doesn't look like anybody's here. And, uh, and so when concerned citizens like yourself uh, call us, then we can respond to those things. And we have a you know, pretty robust neighborhood watch program that a lot of our neighborhoods belong to. And uh, we kind of provide some training through them sometimes for the coordinators. And it's been very helpful. I can't tell you how many cases we've solved over the last almost 10 years, April 1st will be 10 years for us, uh, how many uh, crimes that we've been able to solve over those years because of a phone call, because somebody saw something and said something. Yeah. Do you hear that? Good citizen watch over here. Yeah. But, but if I found a bag of money, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so when I met you at the, the Dunway North thing, you I, I mentioned how whoever does your social media is just a genius. He's awesome. And you sure. said it's like 13 people that are posting. Yeah, it's a lot of, lot of different people. It's uh, I'd like to say it was one person, but it's a kind of a... A conglomeration of a bunch of us. Yeah. And uh, when we first started uh, the police department, uh, I did all of our social media because uh, the old adage, you get one chance to make a good first impression. I wanted to make sure we made that first impression well and didn't want to, you know, stumble or anything uh, when we started out. And uh, so I kind of controlled everything so we'd have one voice and, you know, be consistent about it and we would know who posted everything if there's any issues. And then over time, we've uh, added additional people and kind of went from a very centralized model with just me posting to a decentralized model with a lot of people. So we have an officer from each of the patrol teams, uh, supervisors, our community outreach, detectives, myself, my executive assistant. And uh, so we all kind of take different roles in what we post. Uh, usually the folks in uniform patrol, they're posting stuff that's happening right now. You know, if right now a gas main, we hit a gas main, a road's block, a tree fell, they're going to be posting that to let people know about that, and certainly people appreciate that. And there's the late night guys that make fun of the criminals. I'll yeah, like, could be that. Yeah, we, <laughs> we try to use humor in a good way, uh, you know, to make the post a little bit more entertaining. And They are, you know, they are. There's a fine line there, though, so you have to be, you know, careful how you do that. I'm sure so. you've got a few emails from... 
Yeah, no, it's people all, upset it's all about good. making fun of them. No, nah, it's probably people really. from out of the area. Well, we try not to r- directly make fun of anybody. You yeah. know, we just kind of post what happened. Here's what was said, or here's what happened. So, uh, the the point is for us is to kind of educate people about what's going on and engage the community with our social media post. And we love the feedback, uh, which is very helpful for us. Because you can tell the kind of things that uh, people like to, to look at uh, mm. by the engagement, how many likes and reactions and uh, comments we get on the different posts. And yeah. so I think I don't think people realize that that people that don't run their own, you know, you can see exactly how many people saw yeah, it. Yeah. You can see how many people oh, yeah. clicked on it. That's something we adjusted. The views, everything on. like that. And yeah. so that's really really helpful uh, for us. And it's a way, you know, social media is an extension of community policing. Uh, before uh, and even now you know we do things like a citizen police academy well about 20 or 25 people go through that so that's only a limited number of people we maybe do that twice a year we have ride-alongs where people can come up and ride out with a police officer but you know a a small number take advantage of that but with social media you can reach thousands of people with your message and so uh, I think that's been very helpful for us and uh, you know a lot of people you know, provide us that positive feedback, and we try to share that with our staff who might not be on social media, all the good things that people are saying about the police department. How many other police chiefs do you think have written books about social media? Um, none. I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably say none. Yeah, I don't, I, was, I, don't, I, was, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I thought for sure this was a different Billy Grogan when yeah, I found no. it on Amazon. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've been interested uh, for a long time, always been interested in writing, and uh, so I have a kind of an interest in that, and um, I had the, the idea uh, sometime back to you know write something for law enforcement on social media. So I was using Twitter a lot. That was kind of my favorite platform, you know, breaking real-time information kind of stuff. Yeah. So I wrote a, a book on and you know published it on Amazon, and and, uh, and then I wrote another one with some tips and tricks and stuff like that. I love to write some more. I'm I'm hopeful that uh, you know as I. Uh, you know, make time in my schedule and, and can uh, on my, you know, off time, obviously, uh, to be able to do that and write in the future. Yeah. You know, yeah, other things besides social media stuff. Right, right. What was the other thing you did there? Was it Top Cop? Top Cop Leadership? You yeah. Want to talk a little bit about that? That's yeah, kind of I mean, a, it's just a... Side gig you've got. Yeah, it's just more of a, um, trying to give back a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I had help along the way to people that gave me advice and helped me, you know, advance my career. Uh, through the Marietta Police Department and then, you know, had mentors that helped me, uh, you know, prepare myself to be a police chief. And so that uh, site is uh, is a way for me to kind of give back to folks. And I write, you know, kind of blog on it, some about the things that people can do to prepare for interviews or get their resume right or, you know, just other things related to leadership and life. And and uh, so I've got some, you know, positive feedback from it. So it's, yeah, it's really cool. I, I like to do it. I wish I had more time to do it, but maybe one day I will. Well, you got to make money too. <laughs> That's true. You got to got to work. Gotta have don't a you? real job. That's right. <laughs> There's only so many side hustles. That's true. Yeah. Wait. What's what's the best cop movie? Mm. Your favorite. Well. TV shows, there's not many that beat Hill Street Blues. Now, I'm dating myself, obviously, uh, but I mean, I could remember just when watching Hill Street Blues and just thinking about the things that happened at where I worked at, I remember something just like that, you yeah. know? So it was kind of realistic about, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens like that. And I don't know, outside of that, uh, movies, you know, I mean, I like to, to watch movies like that, but usually it's a little bit like, 
we don't do that or you know a little bit of critical eye about it you know you can't get that that fast you know there's no <laughs> drone flying over that will give you all the coordinates and everything or you can't get a hit back on dna within you know an hour right. it's it just, always about an hour it, yeah. it just doesn't work like that <laughs> but um, but yeah they're i mean they're those shows are entertaining they all have a lot of um uh, viewers and you know people are interested in things like that because things like that affect them in their community and you know uh, unfortunately the the police is going to touch most people's lives at some point during their in their life uh, either it's uh, can be something positive just interaction yeah, or or it could be you know a ticket or somebody's involved in an accident or their car got broken into and they've got to go through the big hassle of the whole insurance thing and so uh, you know we we tell our folks here that every call that you go on is an opportunity to make a positive impact, mm-hmm. a positive impression. I was or, reading or a negative one too. I was yeah. reading the yeah. reviews and they were mostly positive like yeah. on Facebook and Google and stuff like that. It was all individual, you know, my car broke down on the side of the road. This is the officer's name that really helped yeah. me out and so Yeah, I mean that's 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 really good. People like to share that and you know, if you if you mess up, they like to share that too. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, with today with social media, especially, you could have an incident happen here in Dunwoody, and uh, you know, if it say become a national story, people in other places could blow your ratings up on Facebook by giving you a one, right. uh, and say you're a terrible place, you know, a terrible police department. They never experienced it and don't know anything about it, but it can really mess your ratings up. That's happened to several departments. And we had a, uh, sometime back, I don't know if y'all remember this, um, when the, is a, I think Alton Sterling, uh, when he died in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, mm-hmm. the police, during a police encounter, he, he got killed. Well, there was two videos, two cell phone videos that were posted. And one of the guys that posted that video was a guy, he, was, he didn't take the video, but he posted it because of some friend knew he had a big social media following. We well, posted that video, but well, he lived here in Georgia. And so uh, we had a warrant on him. And the day after he posted that video, he went to Dobbins Air Reserve Base because he was a civilian working there. And he was in their background check process and got a hit on our warrant. And so we arrested him the day after. And of course it blew up like, you know, they're trying to suppress the video and they're targeting him because of the video. No, we didn't know anything about the video. We had no idea he posted the video until they started, but they blew up our Facebook page and started giving us one star comments. And so we turned off the reviews for a little bit just to let that kind of pass by. Uh, I I didn't know you could turn it off. I own a restaurant. No, you can. And I I, I tried to, I responded to a couple people and trying to explain, you know, here's what happened. This happened two years ago. You know, he got uh, uh, whatever he got arrested for, and then he failed to show up for court. And then a warrant's issued. It was issued a long time ago, and it's been sitting in a computer. And he just happened to pop up on the radar. Well, you know, sometimes you can't convince folks yeah, of that. Social media has got pluses and negatives. Yes, it does. Sure. Um, so we've been upstairs with the um, the big control room with yeah, all the, the traffic management. Yeah, do you have access to that stuff? Uh, you, we well, I feel we feel like could, I haven't gotten a ticket for going through a red light in a yeah. long time. <laughs> We don't have red light cameras. They'll mail it to you. Don't worry. No, I haven't gotten one in the middle. Yeah, we don't have red light cameras here in uh, Dunwoody. Uh, We had them in Marietta. But, but yeah, that traffic management center has been really good, and we're going to get tied into the video. We don't have it yet, but we'll have access to it as well to look at the video if we need to, you know, investigate a crime or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. I I love video. I think everything 
outside of your house should just be videotaped. I don't. I got You're no problem. Not doing anything stupid. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you guys got the body cameras for all your sure. officers. Yeah. We do. But they're not constantly running, are they? they have to. No, they're they're cars. running based on a, a citizen encounter. So when they're in their cars, just riding around, or they're going out to quick trip to you know get a drink they're not turning them on but then if they get a call or something then they turn them on yeah. so any kind of uh, police citizen encounter and do, you, do you keep an eye on when they turn them on and stuff I mean uh, yeah I mean we we do a kind of a periodic audit uh, just to make sure they're, they're turning them on and then uh, we also review uh, all the video when we have a use of force and so uh, if an officer, uh, say, tasers somebody or, you know, has to physically take somebody to the ground, there's a use of force process that's completed. And then each supervisor in the chain of command will review the report and all the video to make sure that the officer acted appropriately. And that comes all the way up to me. I'm the last person that signs off on it. Okay. So it's, it's been very handy for us because you can just go right there and see everything on the video and it's you know, usually you can tell how things went. Yeah, and, and it's uh, also so got your officers' backs too. If sure. they didn't, you know, if they didn't mess up, you need that body cam. Right. Yeah. Most of the complaints that we received, uh, I mean, this is not us only. Most police departments are not excessive force complaints and things like that. Is the officer was rude to me? Yeah. The officer gave me a ticket he shouldn't have gave me a, t- you know, things like that. And you know, when we have a complaint like that, we've had them where they said the officer cussed me out. You know, and said this, like specific words, you know, profanity. Racism. And then we were able to look at the video, and, uh, you know, the officer's extremely nice. And then we say, <laughs> well, we looked at the video. Oh, there's a video? Oh. Yes. Oh, there yeah, might be. Yeah. So, you know, we have a little of that happen as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's cool. Well, so if if I was if I see something, do I call nine one one? Absolutely. Or just try to be educational. Like, what do you want the people to do? Sure. So, um if um give them your home cell phone number yeah (laughs) after uh, 9-11 you know the department of homeland security came out with uh, the the program called if you see something say something and that was kind of originally tied to terrorism but over the years it's been also now adopted and is used in a lot of communities including ours to call us if you see something kind of odd so as i mentioned earlier if you're in your neighborhood and this car's at somebody's house and you know they're out of town and it doesn't belong there. They're at work and it's during the daytime. It's backed up. You know, that's probably suspicious. Yeah. Now, you might try to explain it away to yourself and go, I'm sure it's probably maybe just a cleaning person or something like that. It might be, but it might not be. You, so if, you'd you know, rather they call, if, huh? I, we would rather they call, call 911, say, here's what I saw, and, uh, and then we'll investigate it. If it's the cleaning person, no harm, no foul. They're not going to get in trouble for being a cleaning person right. uh, in the house. But if it's somebody breaking in the house, then we've maybe uh, been able to capture them. And so that's the kind of things that's always good. Also, you know, we have a big problem with people breaking in cars, uh, and that's a crime of opportunity. Yeah. Uh, the majority of the time, not all the time, but the majority, they look in the cars, they look in the windows to see what they see. And when they see a computer bag laying there or luggage, or an iPhone or an iPad or a Garmin or something, you know, then they know, hey, that's a car I need to target. And so then when they get ready, they break in this car, this car, this car, and this car, 
and steal all the stuff out of it. And we've had people that had three laptops in their car, uh, iPad, and iPhone all in a bag. And what, what percentage of those are unlocked cars? Do? Does uh, that happen more? Than- nah, most of them are locked cars. Okay, I mean, uh, the unlocked cars are a lot of times those are in neighborhoods. Mm. So people are parked in their single-family residence and they pull their car up. Sometimes it's in the garage or they have a carport and they leave the cars unlocked and then people go in them. And usually those sometimes tend to be teenagers, yeah. uh, sometimes even neighborhood kids who are going through and they're flipping handles and they're not going to break in a car, but if they find them that's unlocked, then they'll go in and they'll still dollar fifty out of change right. or somebody left their phone in there, they'll get it and things like that. But so you know, don't leave stuff in your car. Uh, you know, put it in a trunk or in a back part that's that's hidden. And uh, if you have to have something in your car, and uh, you know, do that, and it'll cut down your uh, chance of being a victim of a crime. Okay, who's your uh, who's your best social media guy? You can you can see uh, the views and clicks. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's that's, that's a that's a that's a tough question. We have a lot of really really good folks. Uh, Anwar Silla, uh, one of our officers, he's in our community outreach unit. He does a fantastic job. He's also uh, someone that's not shy about doing Facebook Live. You know, a lot of people are you know it's not for everybody. Yeah, and. Uh, there might be a reason you guys are doing a podcast instead yep. of a video. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Faces for podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but he does a really good job. And then uh, Lieutenant Espinoza, uh, who was an officer when we first started, got promoted to sergeant, got promoted to lieutenant, uh, he uh, does a fantastic job as well. And, we, I mean, really about everybody does. They, they know how to use it, and they do a good job. But those two in particular, and then uh, Sergeant uh, Robert Parsons, he's a uh, – he does some really good, he doesn't post very often, but when he posts something, it's pretty meaningful. And uh, like he went to the, uh, I'll give you an example, he went to the funeral of the two officers in New York that were killed in their car a few years ago. Mm-hmm. They were executed. And uh, uh, one of the airlines offered free tickets to any police officer that wanted to go to the funeral. Wow. And so he asked, could he go represent our department? And I said, certainly you can. And so he went there, uh, represented our department, uh, had a great experience, took a lot of photos, and came back and sent something to me, just kind of let me know about his experience. And I said, hey, why don't you share that on social media? Very moving, you know, kind of experience for him. And he shared that on social media. And I think we had oh, reached over 500,000 people. Yeah. I mean, it was really, you know, and he's, so he's done a few posts like that. He doesn't post often, but when he does, it's usually something really powerful. That's cool. Have you had a hard time getting the, getting the folks to do it? No, not really. Uh, we we really only you know have people that are interested in it that yeah. volunteer. Uh, some police departments are very restrictive and they, they they don't let you know they might have one person that they allow to use social media. And I do a lot of teaching. I teach at our uh, new police chief school. So every year, uh, twice a year, the Georgia Association of Chiefs of Police has to do the new chief training. Is what it's called. It's Chief Executive Training School. And so I teach a block of instruction. Uh, each of those two classes uh, on uh, using social media for law enforcement executives. And, uh, you know, one of the things I talk about uh, with that group of people, these are new chiefs, 
and sometimes command staffs from departments that want to be chiefs someday. And you know, I talked to him about the benefits of using social media and how to use it well and things like that. And you know, a long time ago there was a lot of resistance in law enforcement to that. But I think social media now is so mainstream and so many agencies are using social media that people accept it more now. Uh, but still a lot of departments are very afraid that the officers might say or do something stupid. Yeah. Uh, and so they're very restrictive on who can have access. And so sometimes it might not be the best person. It might be, okay, whoever our PIO is, our uh, public information officer, okay, well, that person gets put in there. They might not know anything about social media and want to do anything to do with social media. So that's their social media guy. So, you know, they may not do a very good job, but, you know, I've, and I've told them, I said, it doesn't matter if it's a patrol officer or a civilian employee. There's people in your organization that can do social media really well they're very good at it if you'll just give them the authority to do it yeah. they'll do a great job for you and, uh, and so sometimes law enforcement is a very hierarchical and we're, we're kind of tied into well it's got to be a lieutenant that does this or it's got to be and it doesn't really have to be that's necessary not necessarily the person out on the streets too right. I mean if you're sitting in an office you're not seeing what you know that right. people see and it's cool I think a, you know a lot of people know the name Espinosa then you know they know a sure. lot of the folks that they're interacting with in the community so no I think you're you're right Especially when around I, Dunwoody, I mean. yeah when I see a lot of the post uh, when it either mentions an officer or it's an, a certain person that posts or they're doing a Facebook Live or whatever, you have people come in, hey, good to see you, and it names the officer, you know. Yeah. I saw officer so-and-so the other day. And, you know, so a lot of that is, uh, you know, shows how I think closely connected we are to the community. Yeah. So good job. If you ever take a badge and gun and have to put it in your in the top drawer of your desk, can you just take a photo for me and put it on Twitter? <laughs> Even as a joke. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate your time. Sure. Um, well, been 10 years now. Yep. Uh, yep. I'll be nice here December 17th. It'll be my 10th year, and the police department 10th year will be April 1st. And so we're planning uh, a community event around April 1st okay. that we're going to do as a way to say thank you to the community for their support. Okay. So heads Not up. Not driving around at midnight up. with your lights on? <laughs> no. No. We won't do that. <laughs> a little more low-key? <laughs> yeah, low-key. That's right. Well, that's cool. We appreciate your time. Sure. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank Bye. you.